Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Be Smart About This, the podcast devoted to helping you make winning decisions in your family law matters. I'm your host, Brian Reed of Reed Centracchio and Associates. We are a family law firm with offices in Chicago, Hinsdale, and affiliate offices overseas. Well, today is a big day for this podcast because it's the first time I've had a guest on the program. So who better to invite for this momentous occasion than my longtime law partner, Nicole Centracchio. Thanks to her, the name of our law firm is difficult to spell. But aside from that, Nicole is a very accomplished attorney and well-respected advocate in the family law division. On top of handling divorce cases, Nicole has taken the extra step for additional training and certification so that judges can appoint her to represent children in other attorneys' cases. She does a great job at it and has information that may be extremely important to you in your case. I'm thrilled to have her join me today. Nicole, welcome to the program. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me today. Yes, my name is a mouthful, (laughs) so it makes our firm very interesting, that's for sure. We have a lot of interesting moments, certainly, at the firm, and and I'm just, I'm delighted to have you, Nicole. So um, I think, actually, I was thinking earlier about how long we've worked together, and I know because on LinkedIn, I'm getting people that are very kind and saying, congratulations on your work anniversary, and I was trying to think how many years has it been? Do you know that we've worked together? I believe if I have to think about this, it's been approximately 15 years, which seems like a lifetime. And time time flies when you're having fun. So we are definitely having a lot of fun. Right. I think 15 actually takes us back to a time when we actually had another partner in the firm. And so we've been actually together for, for some time, you and I, and um, it's, it's certainly great practicing with you. Um, we've, we've done a lot of growing. We're now up to counting you and me, count over eight attorneys in the firm. So pretty, uh, pretty good uh, progress, I think. Yeah, it's been quite a ride. It's been wonderful. We've, we've done very well. So Nicole, today's topic I think is very interesting. And I think that you are, are just a perfect person to talk about this. Let's jump right in it. I know that our listeners want to hear, um, they want to hear your thoughts on this. We have some interesting Q&A that we're going to get through here. And, um, and hopefully our viewers will have a takeaway where they, when they leave the, the program, say, okay, now I feel better about this project system that where an attorney comes in and represents children. I think it's quite simply it's terrifying for people. And, I, and, I, and maybe that's an overstatement or maybe it's not, but I think a lot of people literally, when they think about an attorney coming in to represent their children in the midst of their divorce case, I think they're terrified. And I wanna get your thoughts on this. Do you think it's terrifying for parents? And if so, why and is it normal for them to be terrified? Well, sure. I think parents are terrified, of course, of having another person come into an already stressful situation. Um, Divorce is not uh, a fun process, as we all know. Divorce is scary, it's stressful, and when parents are having difficulty coming up with agreements regarding their children and may not be getting along, you know, in, in this, in the situation, having another party come in and spending time with their kids would be scary for anybody. Parents are afraid that their children are going to be afraid. 
parents are going to be afraid that somebody is talking to them about family matters, sometimes private matters. And they're also afraid that they're in this situation right now. So the other parent is going to maybe try to put them in a bad light or, you know, there might be some blame cast on them as being a bad parent. So there are a lot of, a lot of concerns that parents have and a lot of fears that they have going into this process and, and they're totally understandable. Mm, I like that. And, and just to kind of back up to the first part of what you said, which I thought was really interesting, you talked about when parents don't have uh, an agreement. It's not standard. It's not standard in every case that, okay, wow, we have a divorce case. We have a parenting issue. Let's, let's bring in a, a, um, an attorney for the children. You don't see that in all cases, right? No, there are cases where the parents can sit together and maybe work out an agreement through mediation, or they sit down with their attorneys and they can cooperate to come up with an agreement regarding parenting time or decision-making amongst themselves that they're happy with. And those agreements can be put in writing without any other third parties coming in. So it's not necessarily everybody that has a, a, a parenting issue uh, goes down this route. So you have options as a client as to how your case is, is directed. Do you think that actually control and giving up control actually plays a certain part in the anxiety that some people feel, the, the, the terror? and having a third person who's unknown come in and, and start talking to the kids? Oh, absolutely. Um, now you have a stranger now coming into the case who doesn't know you, know you personally, other than the snapshot that they're hearing from maybe court pleadings or other attorneys or the other parent. So this, this new strange person now is charged with the task of making certain recommendations to the court. And yes, that can be a completely scary process because once other professionals, such as an attorney for the child, a guardian ad litem, a child rep get involved, that control sometimes gets taken out of your hands as a parent. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe it's a good idea to actually talk a little bit about um, just the kind of notice that parents have, or perhaps lack of notice, as to when a, an attorney gets appointed for their children. Is this something that it just happens instantly or can happen on a whim, or is this something where they always have some sort of lead up time? I think people might like to know that a little bit. Yeah, each case is a little bit different. Obviously, um, a lot depends on your individual relationship as a client with your attorney. Your attorney going into this case would probably, hopefully, um, talk to you and advise you of all the different options that can happen when it comes to having a child representative or guardian ad litem appointed or not, if you get into your case, uh, you know, a little bit and you're, you find out that you cannot come up with an agreement between you and the other parent, sometimes you will be consulted with your attorney, will consult you on, on the options of having this individual appointed to help you try to get to an agreement with your spouse and have this person, you know, appointed by agreement of you and your soon-to-be ex-spouse. So that's one option, that's one way it could go. Or if there are really, really stressful, bad issues that are happening in, in your case, a judge, sua sponte, could come in and say, listen, you, you're, the, the parties here cannot reach an agreement. There are some maybe safety concerns I have. I need somebody to come in and make some recommendations and do some investigation regarding the safety or the well-being of the children the court can absolutely 100% just appoint somebody on their own without giving any notice. 
And you use the term uh, sua sponte, and that pretty much just means right there, right then, on the fly, so to speak, right? Without anybody even asking for it, because that person that's coming in, whether it's the child representative or the GAL, is the court's witness and is basically at the court's discretion. So the court can appoint somebody whenever they see fit. Mm. You know, I, I find myself oftentimes when I try to explain this to, to my own clients, I kind of put it in the light of the, the court really isn't overly concerned with either party because they, they each have an attorney to, to advocate for them. But the court really concerns himself with the, with the children. Correct. The, and, and in any divorce case, I think, you know, it's pretty, you know, standard that the number one concern of the court, as well as should be most attorneys, is, is the safety and well-being of the children. The safety and the well-being of the children have nothing to do with whether mom's right or mom's wrong or dad's right or dad's wrong or who's going to make decisions about soccer. Number one concern is the best interest of the children, and the court takes that very seriously. I'd like to talk in, in a couple minutes about the, the right and the wrong. Maybe who's in it, who's not, does it really matter? But before we do that, can you explain to the audience just the different ways in which you could actually be appointed to represent the children? Because I know you could wear a couple of different hats. Um, sure. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. There, in, in most court cases, an attorney will be appointed as either a guardian ad litem or a child representative. There are a little, there are some differences, there are some nuances between the two that sometimes get confused a little bit, so it's nice to have an explanation of what those things are. Guardian ad litem is basically the eyes and the ears of the court. The court appoints this person to investigate, to speak to people, to report back to them as to what they've investigated and what other people have said and what the children have said. This is a direct mouthpiece to the court. So there's no confidentiality between the guardian ad litem and the parties or the children. So that's something if you have older children, the guardian ad litem will walk through that with the child so they understand that what they say will get back to their parents probably. So this is more of an investigative tool. The guardian ad litem can be called by either attorney as a witness and and is subject to cross-examination. A child representative is appointed to represent the child as if they were a client. So there are uh, issues of confidentiality here. There's no confidentiality between the child representative and the parents, but there is a confidentiality expectation between the child and the attorney. And normally you have older children that might be um, subject to this and you have to explain that to them, that there are certain things that what whatever they say is between the two of you unless they give you permission to disclose that to the court. And you have to argue your case for your client as if you would with uh, any other client and the child representative cannot be called as a witness. So there is a small distinction and it is a case by case basis as to what uh, either the attorneys or the court deems appropriate in that certain circumstance. Nicole, do the parents uh, have any say so as to whether you are appointed as a GAL or a um, child rep? Well, you can discuss that with your respective counsel. Normally, you know, the court has the final decision on that. So sometimes you, one attorney can suggest that a person be appointed as a guardian ad litem and the court might change that designation to child representative. It's up to what the court deems fit in that certain case. 
Excellent. So once you get appointed, whether it's the GAL for the guardian ad litem or the child rep, once you're appointed on a case, what's the first thing that you do? The first thing that I do is to make sure I have the appropriate order from the court. And once I get the order from the court, if there are attorneys involved, I like to talk, call them right away and let them know that I've gotten the information from the court that I will be stepping in and that um, I need their permission to speak with their respective clients without them being present. Once I cover those formalities, I set up appointments, try to talk to each parent individually, get a little bit of background on the case, find out what the issues are, find out a little bit about the kids before I meet them so I can assess comfort level and willingness to kind of talk to you know new people. And then once I kind of cover those initial bases, I start with the initial appointments with the children. Okay, and then I can only imagine, again, kind of getting back to the fear that parents have, um, is this meeting something that they need to be afraid of? Uh, and if not, why? I don't think you need to be afraid of the meeting. I don't think there's anything to be scared of. I think that parents are probably stressed about the meeting or maybe afraid of what's going to happen at the meeting, but this is a person who's appointed to help the family. This isn't a person who's here to harm anybody. This person is here to do what's best for the children and try to help everybody get on the same page to come up with something, an arrangement that is best for the children. So I think parents just need to come in and be real, be themselves, be honest, and be willing to talk about what's happening with their family. Um, obviously they're there for a reason. Something's happening in their family that you know is not necessarily all positive. So it's coming in and acknowledging I'm here for a reason and I wanna fix what's going on to do what's best for my kids. And that's the best, that's the best way you can come into a meeting with a child rep or guardian ad litem. Some of the clients that I've had over the years have, I believe, worried that the child rep was going to somehow look to blame them for a situation or to find faults in somebody to cast somebody in a more negative light is is that part of the process does it have to be done that way or how do you look at it when you when you step into that role no i, I don't think an, a, an individual like being appointed in in that role is trying to cast blame or put somebody at fault. What this person tries to do is say, okay, we're here for a reason. Let's identify what the problem is. Let's identify where the disagreements are. Let's identify why you're having these problems. Maybe it's communication or something else. Let's identify the issues and let's try to fix them. I think where, the, where the, that problem comes in where people feel like they're being blamed is when you know, parents cannot come in and acknowledge what's happening. This, you're, you're in a divorce. This isn't a picture-perfect world that you're living in right now. Something's happening. Something's wrong. So let's try to acknowledge what's wrong. Let's try to fix it um, and not deflect uh, constantly about, you know, whose fault something may or may not be. And let's try to focus on what we can do to fix this for the kids. Uh, that's very, that's, I'm sure, very reassuring um, for everybody. And let's go back to the meeting a little bit. Uh, when you, it's time for you now to meet your client, get to know your client. How do you do that? Where do you do it? And um, what happens during the meeting? Well, it all 
depends. Sometimes, most of the time, I usually have them come into my office first um, for a first initial meeting because I want them to realize that this is this is a serious thing. This is a court matter. You know, we, we're here for a reason. We're trying to resolve things. But you know, there is that that background of okay, you have to come to an office. I am an attorney. I'm you know, this is a serious thing that we're talking about. What you know, what I'm looking for is just for parents to be real. For parents to come in and just, you know, be real about what's happening, be themselves, be open, be be vulnerable a little bit to trying to say, you know, I know what the issues are in my going on right now and I want to fix them. I always have issue with parents that come in who want to say everything is everything is fine and everything is picture perfect and nothing's wrong. And you know, sometimes you get parents who come in with these snapshots of of picture books of, you know, here's all the fun times me and my kids have had over the past four years. And it's, it, they're trying to portray something that really might not be happening right now. So that's a little concerning to me. It's just about being real, being honest and being truthful and not, not trying to portray a picture perfect world where, you know, everything is going great. You have to have some vulnerability and accountability when you're, when you're in this process. I love the tangible example that you gave about the photo album and kind of portraying things that that really aren't and at this moment at least so what are some things that a parent can do to get on your good side so to speak and, and not not in the sense of you're favoring them over somebody else but to portray them themselves in a good light um, you mentioned being real and just coming in and, and being genuine who they are are there any other things that you've seen people do effectively over the years that uh, helped you understand their parenting styles, their approach to perhaps uh, working with the other parent, things like that? Yeah, I mean, willingness to cooperate is obviously huge. So if, if a parent comes in and, you know, you can acknowledge that you and your spouse are not getting along, you know, right now, maybe at this one moment in time, but understanding and, and you know, and expressing that you do want to work with this parent. You have, you know, you've created children together and you have a you have a tie to that person for probably the rest of your life. So coming in and talking about your willingness to try to work together with the other parent, trying to co-parent, really understanding what co-parenting means, which is trying to get on the same page and do what's best for your children together despite anything else that's going on in your life. You know, those are, those are things that, you know, you look at when you're talking to somebody. You know, if somebody continually paints the other person as a terrible horrible parent who is always in the wrong, it's a little concerning because you're in the divorce process for a reason and everybody has a little bit of fault in the matter. And, and again, taking accountability for that and acknowledging that you want to work together despite all of that for the benefit of your kids goes a long way. Mm, I like that. I like that. So let's maybe switch up a little bit here and talk about in the last few minutes that we have maybe about something that uh, is a little unusual, but perhaps uh, I, I know a smaller percentage of people have children that have mental health issues. That number might be growing now. It's a very important thing. I would suspect, given its level of importance that parents actually feel a certain amount of fear, whenever there's a child that is, is struggling with an issue and maybe it's a little bit out of control at the moment, how does your job as a child rep come in or a GAL in this case, how is it impacted by these types of issues and how do you generally approach them and try to deal with them? 
that's the reason we're appointed. That's the number one top priority of our job is to make sure that, that these kids are safe. And unfortunately, you do deal with a lot of children who are having mental health issues. And a lot of times it is issues of uh, self-harm, self-mutilation, things that are really concerning when it comes to the safety of the child. So number one is to get in there, get, you know, talk to both parents, make sure again, despite what's going on, that we are all committed to doing what's best for this child. And then, you know, we can do what we can do legally, but what we as child reps do, then take this to the next level and find a professional for them, find a mental health professional, find a doctor, find somebody that we can get this child to right away to address these issues and make sure that we do whatever we can to make sure that this child is safe and not a danger to themselves or to others and continue to work with that doctor, speak with that doctor, develop a relationship with that doctor to help this child get the help that they need. And that's, you know, again, number one priority of any child rep or uh, guardian ad litem in this situation, that's what we're here for. Has the lockdown that we're all experiencing right now due to the COVID-19 pandemic, has that also impacted your job uh, as as protector of the children uh, in that capacity? And what has that looked like? Yeah, I mean, I think given the current state of everything, this is, you know, children are being put more in the middle of the parents' uh, disagreements right now, just because of this COVID, you know, unfortunate situation that we're in right now. I have been called on numerous times and on what I'll call the, the hot potato syndrome, where children are being held at one parent's house or the other because they're just there and they don't want to transport the child um, to the other parent because of COVID, whether that's, you know, based in any, any reality or not. Um, you know, so I've been called on to help these parents come up with plans to make transitions of the children safe, to make sure that the kids are actually spending time with both parents and making sure that their health is taken into consideration while doing this. So. That's been, you know, a new and interesting kind of part of the job. Also, on a, on a positive note, a nice new part of my job is I get to FaceTime and Zoom with my clients a lot more, and they're way more technologically advanced than I am. So for them to pick up their, you know, iPhone or their computer and just dial me up when they need me in Zoom, it's been, it's been great. So the contact with the children in general has you know, increase. And it, that part has been a lot of fun. But yeah, it's been an interesting time. It's definitely, definitely, uh, you know, we're all learning and, 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 and finding out new, new issues during this whole COVID process. So it's been, it's been interesting. Outstanding. Just to wrap up the program, one of the things that we, we focus on here in this podcast is, is on helping people to make smart choices in mm-hmm. all their family law matters if you were going to give uh, some general tips to parents to help them not be terrified about this process, and your explanation of it, I'm sure has gone a long way in ratcheting down that anxiety they, they might feel about having somebody come in that they don't know and interject themselves and perhaps lose some control. But if you were gonna give some general tips to parents as, as, as to how they should approach this type of a situation that you might not have already covered, Um, what would those be? Well, I would say be willing to work this process. This person is appointed and coming into your lives to try to help. 
we're not here to do any harm. We're here to give suggestions. We're here to try to find solutions. And we're here to get everybody on the same page again as to putting these children's interests and best interests first and foremost in this whole process. And a lot of times we as child representatives and guardian ad litems try to work with the parties to come up with an agreement that they're happy with. The more input and the more control that they have over their own agreement and over their own lives as this, you know, parenting process goes on and, and more input that they have into the agreement, the happier they're, they're going to be, the happier that the children are going to be, and they have some ownership of this process and this ownership of this agreement that they've come up with, and they will be able to get together to work this agreement in, in a manner that is beneficial for them, beneficial for the children, and when all the lawyers are gone and all the courts are gone in this matter, they will at least have something they created, uh, a map of what their life is going to be like for the foreseeable future that they've created, that they are happy with, and that they can work together for the benefit of their children. Nicole Centracchio, thank you so much for joining, being my very first interview. It's been great and it's been fun. It's been so fun. So I'm Brian Reed. You have now heard from both partners at Reed Centracchio and Associates. You can find us actually on the web at recent-law.com. You can also email us at info at recent-law.com. You can send us questions, comments. Don't forget to go to iTunes and subscribe. And in the meantime, both of us wish you much health and a successful outcome in all of your family law matters.